Catherine Devitt, you're the Environmental Justice Officer at the Jesuit Centre for Faith and Justice. We're over here in Gardiner Street and we're taking a look back at 2018 in terms of the environment and in terms of any progress or lack of therein. Um, Beginning with evidence of it, certainly the weather was really bad from the early part of last year with storms and so on. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, 2018 opened here in Ireland with Storm Emma and the Beast from the East, where large parts of the country were effectively shut down because of severe weather. We also had uh, loss of life as well because of severe storms. And then in the summer, we had record-breaking temperatures. And as a result of that, we had a fodder crisis. Now, I know that people would say that's definitely climate change. Can we be sure? Because weather over hundreds of thousands of years maybe would go through blips like that. But it seems to be pointing in the direction that there really is incontrovertible evidence, am I right, of climate change? No, absolutely. Um, it's a very valid question. Like, can we attribute these these single weather events to a uh, changing climate? Uh, all the scientists now are telling us that climate change increases the likelihood of severe weather extremes and amplifies weather risks. And then also, I think the fact that we've we the, the, the evidence is there in terms of the records being broken, and um, we, we've seen that certainly in 2018 being one of the hottest years on record. So then uh, what about the reports that came out in Ireland? We had two big reports. How are we doing in terms of caring for the environment and climate change? Unfortunately, Ireland uh, today, for example, Ireland was rated as the worst country in Europe on tackling climate change. Unfortunately, we're doing terrible. We're not going to meet our 2020 targets, meeting our 20. 30 targets uh, will be a a significant challenge. And and of course, it's not just about targets. This is a justice issue. Uh, This is a climate justice issue. Uh, Climate change is is impacting on the most vulnerable populations at this point in time. And it's also a justice issue in terms of future generations, Um, our children right now, and of course, their children uh, as we head into into this century. So basically, we're in trouble. Are we going to be um, penalised by the European Union? Are we already paying fines? Because I know I interviewed you before and you warned that if we didn't change our ways, the fines were coming down the tracks. The fines are coming down the tracks, absolutely. And it's it's also a lost opportunity because the costs of inaction um, outweigh the costs of action. And the more we fail to invest now, it's just going to be much more of a significant cost in the coming decades. There is a huge benefit to tackling climate change in terms of uh, greater air quality, less pollution, well-being impacts for communities, the nature impacts in terms of um, having, having a healthy biodiversity. And uh, we can't ignore that. We can't ignore the costs, whether it's through uh, our inability to meet our targets or just the general costs of inaction. Now, do you think that there is a greater awareness among people? Like, we're looking back at 2018. It would seem to me that the whole agenda of the environment, climate change, the Pope's Laudato Si', which has had a ripple effect, that that is sinking into people's consciousness. Am I right? I think 2018 was a pivotal year. I suppose in Ireland, we were. it started... Um, coming off the the back of the Citizens' Assembly, where there was really great work done on devising recommendations to the government on tackling climate change. So 2018 kind of started with that basis. 
We've seen, certainly over the last couple of months since the IPCC report, we've seen a number of rallies on the street. Last week we had um, the JCFJ was involved in an event in Buswells where over 350 constituents from all over Ireland came together to meet and demand action from their local TDs. I think we had something like 90 TDs show up on the day. So I do think there is a significant appetite there among the, the general population for change. And that's there. And I think as well, we're also seeing greater focus now in the media. Um, it's trying to then keep that enthusiasm and motivation there as we head into uh, 2019, 2020 and on from there. So if you were to say to people listening today, what, first of all, at a personal level, could we be doing better to make a difference? Because it seems so overwhelming when you look at the global picture, which we haven't time to go into today. But mm-hmm. if we did, you feel, oh, we're never going to make a dent in this. The ozone you know, hole is getting bigger. The tides are rising in Venice mm-hmm. and other places. What would you say locally for Irish people that they could be doing more of to help mm-hmm. you know, make it a safer environment for everyone? There's two parts to this question, to this answer. First of all, it really has to be about political leadership. Uh, we can all make changes at a community level, but if that leadership is, is not there, we're not going to see the level of change that needs to happen over the coming decades to keep within um, a safe environmental change. And that has to come from our leaders. They need to lead on this. What are you looking for from them then? Well, in Ireland, certainly the, our, our, our two biggest polluting sectors are in transport and agriculture. And agriculture is up on emissions within the last number of years, transport as well. There are really um, difficult but, but needed choices that need to be made across all sectors. And there has been signals from our new minister, um, Minister Bruton, uh, on the need for a kind of a whole government approach. But it needs to be, tr- that rhetoric needs to be translated into policy actions. And it does need a holistic approach because the farmers need to make a living. You know, people's livelihoods are at stake here. We're certainly at a crossroads. People's livelihoods are very much at stake. Within the climate policy landscape, there is this uh, fray or the, there is this approach around a just transition. So those sectors, those communities that are most affected by the move towards decarbonisation, that they're supported, that they're provided an upskilled and alternative so that they can continue to make a living, but from maybe sectors that are, or from, I suppose, a way of life that's maybe less polluting um, and more in line with, with the planet that we need to live on. Is the pollution from agriculture to do with vehicles, tractors, all that, or is it to do with the methane gas from the cattle? It's it's methane gas from from cattle, and we are in the situation in Ireland where we are expanding our um, our national herd, and our emissions are up. And of course, having said that, there, the agricultural sector is trying to implement ways of of mitigating those emissions, and it is important that every sector bears the responsibility that it's not just agriculture; that it's also transport that it's also how we heat your homes, how we generate energy and so on for our homes. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a whole society approach um, that, that needs to be taken. So what about the incentives? I mean, there are real incentives for buying cars now, low emissions. Are they working? And would you like to see that changing so that we're all using maybe hybrid cars or not even hybrid, but cars that are totally what running on? Oil, is it? I mean, rapeseed oil or something? Sure. Uh, Yeah, incentives, certainly. But again, it's not just about one approach. 
Um, we need to look at how we plan, how we get around, how we get to work. Um, certainly electric cars is, is, is one part of the package. But then we also look, need to look at our public transport systems. How do we support um, other modes of transport? And then how do we go about our everyday our everyday business. The latest IPCC report um, tells us that we have something like, I think it's a decade, just over a decade to really undergo radical, far-reaching change. And that requires a, a massive transformation, the likes of which we haven't really seen before. That's really, really difficult to envision what that might look like. But it does require a very kind of deep transformation in how we organise ourselves how we grow our food, where we get our food from, how we get to work, how we work. Um, and I think that's why that political vision needs to be there to, to, to really bring us along. Now, the government have set up a committee mm. um, that is looking into this environmentally and maybe making the dots. I think there's a Jesuit on it, Edmund Grace. Are you hopeful that that committee might be able to deliver the kind of joined-up thinking you're talking about that could really help us to genuinely make an impact mm. as a small nation? Because mm. we're only five and a half, six million, like compared to, say, our neighbour in Britain, which is 69 million, and France as well. Like There's a sense in which we maybe think, well, we're not polluting that much because there's not so many of us. Sure. And again, I've heard this point a number of, of, of times. Certainly our Taoiseach raised this point a number of times there recently that we are a small country and so on. But we really have to think about this from from the perspective of, of, a, of a global family, that this is not about individual nations. This is about humanity and and a global family, a global approach. And I do think that if we go down the road of, of thinking about, you know, we're a small nation, there's only so many things that we can do, etc. We're really undermining that approach. I think it's a really exciting time that if we choose to be a leader or or certainly choose to be progressive in how we do this, it says a lot for who we are as a country. Today is 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 the seventh anniversary, seventieth anniversary of the UN Declaration of Human Rights. And I, I, I saw a tweet from our Taoiseach and he was talking about, you know, Ireland being a leader in human rights. If we were a leader in human rights, we would, should be a leader then in climate change because climate change is a human rights issue. And I think, you know, embracing, embracing something like human rights and equality and justice means embracing climate change. And I think if we can align ourselves with that identity, we would really stand up. If you think about um, how Ireland is, is very proud of its of its aid and its development tradition, I think we need to take that sense of identity and apply it to how we address climate change as well, and to be really proud of who we are as a country and how we how we face up to our moral responsibility as a country. And that moral responsibility is something that, like, we're coming to Christmas now and the incarnation, and we're saying that, you know, um, the, that God becomes one of us. Um, takes on our humanity mm. very much those stories are very cosmological like there's yes. the animals there's the you know the the straw the stars the angels there's a sense of that continuity of being and mm. that that's that we're all part of a circle and cycle rather than a domination of one over the other yes. and that we need to care for our earth yes. and it's the home that 
was divinized by God becoming one of us. Yes, no, absolutely. For me personally, I actually take a lot of strength from from nature this time of year because nature, the natural world, really starts to slow down. And winter uh, um, is is pivotal to, to life. So life next spring, life next summer, next summer. We need to go through this period of waiting and stillness and, and death for life to, to, to be. And I think, you know, there's there's maybe something for us to take in terms of how we respond to the problems of the world. It can be so overwhelming. I personally find it really overwhelming when I think of the, the gravity of the situation. And I know I need to, to really reflect and take time and think about what does this mean even on a personal level. Um, and I think that's really, really important for people who are activists and who are really passionate and care about this, is that we do take time for reflection uh, to really think about, well, what does this mean for me as a human and for my journey and for my sense of renewal? And certainly coming up to Christmas, it's so easy to get carried away by consumerism. It really is. Uh, I've just become a mother and I have, I'm even finding myself falling into that consumerist trap. Um, and again, I think it's a really time to just have a think about the true meaning of Christmas and have a think about our footprint at this time of the year. You asked about the personal actions. I think how much we consume is something that we really need to look at and whether or not the amount that we consume is necessary. And of course, from that, there's the, always the hope as well that we see through Newgrange and through the birth of Christ and the alignment of those festivals that, that throughout all the death and the darkness there is a hope of, of light at the end of it all. Absolutely. Uh, I'm glad you've raised that because it is very easy to become very down about the, 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 the situation across the world. I think we have to be hopeful and I know that in the encyclical that Pope Francis invites us to be hopeful that it has to be part of our human experience that that hope is there and again I became a mother this year and when I look at my son when I look at the face of my son I see hope and I think that's so important um, to, to keep that message of hope and to have hope in humanity that we can rise to the challenge and that we can find goodness within ourselves to, to really respect our planet and to respect each other on our planet.